Boston Loose Baseball, episode 85. The Nats are coming down the stretch. We wanted to get a quick update in on how things are going. And it starts right now. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Boston Loose Baseball, episode 85. Alongside Toby Altizer, I'm Grant Paulson. The Nats put the finishing touches on their series in Milwaukee. Another good outing from Patrick Corbin, who threw six innings of one-run ball. Hunter Harvey's been awesome since getting healthy. Two shutout, couple strikeouts. Finnegan bounced back. He just hadn't thrown in a long time, so he gave it up the night before with a grand slam. But a 2-1 to win. Luis Garcia, couple of hits, and two straight games with a homer for him in Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, looking at their win total now, you're at 66 wins, 84 losses, and not that many series left to go, basically two weeks of baseball left to go, and Grant, if they can't get to the 70 win mark, that's going to be a disappointment for me, because I kind of already assumed they were going to get to 70 wins, so that's what I'm looking over the last two weeks. To be honest with you, the rest of it, obviously I care how people do, but I just need four wins, just some way, any way, just find a way to get four wins, get to that 70 win mark. So glad to see them get the win on Sunday against Milwaukee to at least get to 66. Totally get that. I mean, my eye line is still essentially on just the certain young players and their development, you know, more than anything, but I totally get why. And I'm with you. It would mean a lot to feel like you got to the 70 win threshold. Uh, Last calendar week, Corbin, 12 and two third innings, three runs, a 2.13 ERA. Nice little back-to-back starts. Josiah Gray had a really good outing, finally. Six and a third, two runs, ten strikeouts against the Pirates. Man, was it good to see him turn that start in where, look, he hasn't had his fastball for several weeks. He's kind of avoided it and pitched backwards, almost like a, I don't know if the the term crafty righty is a thing. But uh, I know it's the Pirates, but, man, was it that was needed to see him have that outing, miss bats the way he did. That was a long time coming. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of nice when you see Patrick Corbin go out there and pitch like the guy that we once knew, right? I mean, this is a guy that at one point was a valuable pitcher for this franchise, and it just seems like sometimes we forget that. And then occasionally he goes out there and has a good outing, and you're like, oh, that's that's a guy that we signed for quite a bit of cash, and he can still get out there and do it a little bit sometimes. So it's good to see it, and hopefully, I mean... We'll see what his role is going to be next year with the ball club, whether it's sticking in the rotation, I'd assume, at the beginning. Maybe he gets moved to the bullpen. But, you know, it is nice to see just flashes once again of, all right, Corbin still has a little left in the tank. I'm looking over the last calendar week in the bullpen, and Robert Garcia has thrown the ball pretty well. Four games, five and a third, five uh, all of scoreless outings and five strikeouts, and 067 average against. I like what I've seen from Jose Ferrer. I like how Davey's using him. He's mostly making sure he comes in and clean innings and doesn't ask the kid to do too much and inherit runners. But three and a third shutout, four strikeouts for him, 100 average against. I mentioned how good Harvey had been since he came back and got healthy. Uh, Andres Machado has – he's up and down all the time, but he's on what is a good stretch, kind of arrow trending up for him, one run over five innings and four strikeouts without a walk. So – I think that's been a big deal. The bullpen, you know, Jordan Weaven's last four appearances, four shutout, three strikeouts. They've really gotten their act together. And so 
late in games, they've been able, even when they're losing, to keep things respectable, or maybe more importantly, you know, when they are ahead to, to maintain some of these leads or, or just kind of stay in games. Yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing just as a team overall that this team has hit a little bit of a wall as they come down the stretch here the last couple of weeks of the season because a lot of guys are going through this for the first time. So you're seeing them wear down a little bit. So when you can have the pitching go out there and hold the team to one or two runs, that can help out an offense where maybe they can't string together lots of good at-bats. The guys just seem to be worn down. But if you can get a couple guys to get across the plate, just scratch some runs across like they did on Sunday – that can be good enough to win some ball games. So if the bullpen can, you know, keep it together for the last couple of weeks, I think they'll get to that 70 win mark, but I guess we'll get to see it's, it is nice though, to see various guys just get things going in the right direction and hopefully finish on a good note. If you're wondering why they haven't been playing better or winning with some of the numbers I just gave you in the bullpen, they're just not hitting and they're not scoring. I mean, they got shut out a couple times here recently. Uh, CJ Abrams, Three for his last 28 at the plate. He does have two homers, which is cool. Both of those in that Pirates series. But eight strikeouts, 28 at-bats, just three hits, a 107 average, a 515 OPS. His last seven games this week. Luis Garcia does have the two solo homers as well, but he's five for his last 20. You know, the OPS is up to 868, which is good. Him and Dom Smith and Drew Millis, pretty much the only guys who have hit much at all. And it's not like Millis has played a ton. Obviously, he left the game. Uh, at one point this week, but he's two for seven. But otherwise, Lane Thomas is three for his last 31 at the plate this week. Does have a homer, but that's an 097 average. Jake Alou's two for 15. Travis Blankenhorn, 0 for nine. I mean, you kind of go all the way down the, the lineup here. Uh, you're hard-pressed to find anybody hitting other than Manessis and Dom Smith of the everyday guys. And I think therein lies the issue a little bit offensively for the Nats. Even Jacob Young, who we've raved about who I love by the way uh four steals and four tries this calendar week but he is one for his last 21 at the plate so you know this is what happens when you, you're playing above your head a little bit you bring young guys up making the leap in his case basically from double a to the big leagues you're going to be up you're going to be down and after what was a, a torrid stretch and really hitting the ball hard he's now all of a sudden you know hitting 225 with a 604 OPS on the season yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of the young guys getting into the major leagues. They find a little hot stretch. Guys get some film on them. They understand breakdowns. They understand how to pitch these guys. Then you have to adjust off of that. And sometimes that takes some time. And then, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of these guys are going through this for the first time. I mean, even guys that are veterans like a Joey Manessis, this is really the first time that he's gone through a full season with a big league club. You know, those sorts of things, I think, just start wearing on some of the young guys. And guys are just learning to go through a full 162 game grind and so I think it's a good thing for these guys because next year hopefully you're going to build off this season and if everything goes right and you know you have a situation like the Reds had this year where they're better than they were expected maybe you're going to need to be winning these ball games in the middle and late parts of September because it might be something that means a little bit more than just getting to that 70 win mark maybe it's getting above 500 or even a wild card spot. I, you know, I think that's a little bit lofty, but it, it's something that could happen. So it's nice to see these guys go through it. Hopefully they can figure something out for the last couple of weeks because you'd like to at least end on a high note with how this season is gone. Because I think overall it's been encouraging for a majority of the guys. I think if you look through even just the entirety of the organization in terms of the guys that look like they're going to be, you know, future parts of this team, 
I think you would say that 90, 95% of the guys, you would say they're generally positive. There's very few that are negative. So, you know, it's kind of been a rough stretch for some of the guys, but if they can finish on a positive note, it's a, it's a really been a really good season overall. Certainly has Uh, in the minor leagues. We're going to do a thorough pod this week. Probably we'll aim to get it out on Wednesday night. Uh, I want to do a deep dive with minor league seasons ending on, you know, just how things went for various prospects. But the good news was that on Saturday, James Wood hit his 26th home run. And we've talked about his strikeout rate skyrocketing, being up around 37%. And it kind of climbed as the year went on. That's going to have to be cleaned up. You, you can't strike out close to 40% of the time. You know, that changes the, the eye line a little bit. If you're going to be a, a high strikeout guy, which he wasn't really before this year, but hitting his 26th homer, spending much of his year in a couple of ballparks where, Home runs don't come easily. That That is a huge deal for this organization. Dylan Cruz had two more hits on Saturday night, meaning eight for his final 17 at the plate and double A going into play on Sunday. Yoani Morales got to double A, which is awesome. Means that he's closer to the major leagues than maybe we anticipated coming out of Miami as the 40th overall pick. He had two hits, had a 412 on base at double A after getting elevated. Got another really good start out of DJ Hers this week. Six innings, one run, six strikeouts. Ended up with a 2-5 ERA after the trade to D.C. Cut down on some of the walks. Really interesting pitching prospect. If he can throw strikes, he's got legitimate stuff. I mean, really viable member of the rotation type stuff. It's just a matter of throwing the ball over the plate, kind of like Mitchell Parker, also in the system, who's also interesting on that same staff. And then I don't know what to make of this, Tobe, but Robert Hassel finished really strong. 11 for 27 at the plate, couple more RBI on Saturday. I was talking to someone with the organization, and I called it a tease. And they said basically, you know, further removed from the injury, whether it's a, a tease or not, kind of going into the offseason, the idea is it, it, it's really important and good for him, right? Mentally, you go in, you're hungry, you feel good about yourself, and you start building from that. So all good for Harrisburg on the final couple of days of the season as they really got it going offensively. Yeah, and Hassel's one of those guys that I was talking about where I think that most of the organization, the guys that you talk about are generally positive and you feel like they've taken strides. Hassel's maybe one of the guys that hasn't, but he's been interesting this season because he's had, I can think of at least two or three stretches where it's been like, oh, okay, maybe he's figured it out again. Maybe he's getting things going again. Well, obviously just to end the season here, he had one a, a couple months ago where I was like, oh, maybe he's starting to get things going and it'd be followed by a long skid. So Hopefully, you know, a full season removed. He gets to play from through the injury. He, he's done with that. Hopefully that's put in the past. Next season can be something to grow with because like we've talked about before, this was a guy that was in the Soto deal considered the safest prospect. Like if nothing else, if CJ and McKenzie and all these guys didn't work out, if nothing else, you found maybe not an all-star caliber player, but an everyday player in the outfield. And for whatever reason, it just hasn't been the, the case this year with Robert Hassel. So I would expect that with everyone talking about Robert Hassel in such a glowing way, but when he got traded as a prospect, I would expect that at some point he's probably going to get it figured out because generally when everybody's on the same player, it, at some point they'll figure it out. So we'll see what happens next season. It is a little bit of a tease going into next year. He'll have, like I said, the full season removed from that injury. So hopefully he can display some more power. Hopefully he can get back into just hitting the baseball and not striking out as much. I think he's still got a bright future. But, I mean, the nice part is with so many outfielders in this 
organization now. I mean, you obviously don't want guys not to pan out, but at the same point, they have a little luxury now of picking and choosing guys and hoping hoping that a couple of them pan out. Like if a Wood pans out, obviously Dylan Cruz, maybe Elijah Green down the road, Robert Hassel, even an Andrew Pinckney got to double A. They've got an abundance of outfielders, so I could give them a little extra time if things just don't get going in the right direction as quickly as they'd like. Bang, zoom. On to Mike Rizzo. We didn't get to do a pot at the end of last week after he got his extension officially. Uh, he made it pretty clear all along. He thought he was getting the extension, so now he's got it. Uh, it's a multi-year extension. He and Davey presumably linked together. I'd imagine a two-year deal with an option, something like that. Uh, as far as Rizzo goes, uh, to me, this was a no-brainer. They're midway through this rebuild. We've talked about this a lot, Toby. The rebuild is going well. Uh, as we've said, not only are they ahead of schedule from a win standpoint this year, kind of overachieving in everybody's mind coming into the year, the expectations, what they were supposed to be, but way more importantly, you know, getting Dylan Cruz added to the system is kind of the bonus and the icing on the cake at number two this year for some major growth within the system for some players in-house like Jacob Young who doesn't quite mean as much as the high-impact guys. But I'm thinking of players that made leaps this year, like Young, uh, Dalen Lyle, uh, maybe Mitchell Parker, uh, adding DJ Hers at the deadline, interesting type guy. And I'm avoiding on purpose, you know, the impact guys, right? So everyone wants to focus on the disappointing year of Hassel or the fact that Elijah Green uh, was ultra-disappointing this year. But James Wood looks like the real deal. He's got to cut down on the strikeouts or some things he's going to have to clean up. But that was huge um, to, to get him close to 30 home runs. Brady House, awesome season. Cruz being in double A at the end of the year. I mean, he's not putting up Wyatt Langford numbers or dominated like Langford is in the Rangers system. But I think you can feel good about starting him in double A next year, getting him to the show next season. So in a lot of ways, the system on day one when you and I were doing this podcast back in April and what we were seeing and hoping versus what it is now, the arrow is very much trending up. Well, and I think it's funny because I had some friends that went to the game in Milwaukee and they were texting me about Carter Keboom. And it just reminded me of what this organization was for a long time in terms of prospects where it was Carter Keboom and you couldn't name another prospect or it was Victor Robles and you didn't know the rest of the prospects. It was very slim pickings. And now it's the case where Rizzo's done a really good job over the last couple of years making it so that not only Nationals fans that are listening to the pod or deep diving on the prospects can name more than just one or two, but even nationally, people know what's going on with the Nationals farm system because some guys could come up and be impact bats and impact players for this baseball team. And I think that's an astute point as well. When you talk about the impact guys, that's awesome. But I think seeing guys like a Jake Irvin come up to the bigs and make an impact and someone that we expected to be in the pen, he's stuck as a starter. Those are the sorts of things that can increase and help out a rebuild a lot quicker, you know, a Trey Lipscomb or a Daylon Lyle, guys in the minor leagues, like those sorts of guys, if they continue to pan out, it's going to be awesome to see how quickly this thing can turn around. But in the middle of a rebuild like this, you definitely don't want to change things with Rizzo. So I like the fact that they got that done finally, and we can move past that. Yeah. And, and good point, by the way, on Irvin, those are the types of guys I'm talking about, right? Where I think the way it kind of worked out because their system players not the ones they added in the Soto deal or recently drafted the last couple of years or brought in via trade or whatever, but the guys they've had in the system, which wasn't a great system, 
you know, their better prospects are kind of like role guys. You know, it is that Jake Irvin, uh, kind of Jacob Young, Jacob Lou tier, so to speak. But those guys look like maybe they can help you at the major league level. Like not everyone's going to be a star. If Alou is an extra infielder and Young is an extra outfielder and Irvin maybe is a back-end starter, whereas we thought maybe he was a reliever, like that's good too. And, and I think there were kind of plenty of strides made in that regard uh, as the year went on for sure. Uh, as far as, you know, kind of looking ahead now the rest of the way, you mentioned 70 wins as an important threshold for you. I mean, is it just that round number of feeling like, you know, you, you got out of the 60s because – Obviously, like there's no bonus points for getting to 70. Uh, they need four more wins. Frankly, they should get it. I mean, that would be a yeah. real problem if they don't. Uh, but why, why is uh, 70 so important for you? Yeah, to me, I mean, I feel like we know that this season was a success. But if you look up at the end of the year and they've only won 68 games, it just kind of feels like, okay, they improved over last year, no doubt about it. But it still feels like, eh, you know, it, was it that great of a season? Or are we just and they will talking have ourselves? They would have, like, kind of collapsed Toby down the Exactly. Yeah, and it's something where if they don't get to that 70 win mark, which we kind of earmarked as going to be the case a couple of weeks ago, like if they don't get to that, it just seems like it's almost like you said, the collapse, we'd already assumed it. And it's just something where you almost look back and like, did we just talk ourselves into it, it was a great season? Cause we watch this team every night and we cover them or, and we follow them. But I, you know, I think it's a successful season, but I think it can really help out the guys. If you get to that 70 win mark and it's just a tangible thing of, okay, we saw improvement and now you can set a, a goal of getting back to 500 because, you know, going from 70 to 81, it's still a big leap, but it doesn't seem implausible going from 68 or what they're at right now. 66 to 81 seems a little bit too high of a climb, but I think it, you know, it's just a mental thing. Obviously it doesn't necessarily matter. I think even if they were to lose the rest of the games, we would for the most part consider this season a success, but I like looking at that 70 win total. And it just feels like if you get to that 70 number, no one expected that at the beginning of the season. And if you get to it, it just feels like a, very big jump for this organization after this season. And I'll take the over. I think they're going to get there. Uh, September's been ugly, no doubt about it. They're 3-11 and 11 in September. They've dropped 15 out of 19 before the win as we tape this on Sunday evening today against the Brewers. So they're 5-15 and 15 in their last 20. I mean, we saw them play 17-11 and 11 ball in August, and they're actually better than that before the end of August. And they were basically 512-14 in July. So from that stretch, right, July and August, over 500. I remember, and I'm not trying to knock him, right? This is a guy that you and I like, but uh, Coco, like, signed off from a broadcast at one point and was like, the Nationals are good, folks. And I, you know, I, I, even then I was like, okay, let's let's settle down a little bit. Like, <laughs> they're, they're playing well. That's different. He's like, the Nationals are a good team. And I don't think we ever necessarily thought that. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like they were going to continue that. But the 3-11 and 11 in September is a very much a, a regression and kind of a crashing back down to earth. Maybe, you know, do theory. They, they had some things going well for a little while, and then it all changed. Uh, real quick, before we say goodbye for this abbreviated installment, we're going to give you three this week, including a deep dive into the minors in a couple days. But just wanted to hit refresh at the beginning of the week here, since we didn't get you one at the end of last week. Uh, the Braves, 96 wins, man, in this division have clinched the East. 52 home runs for Matt Olson set the franchise record. Uh, every home run they hit continues to add on to the most home runs ever hit by a Brave. And it's pretty clear they've taken their foot off the gas pedal. 
didn't have Ronald Acuna into their series against the Marlins. He's been out the last few days with an injury. But Miami took three straight over Atlanta here as they're trying to make the wild card. Huge weekend for the Marlins. Uh, so good for them. But I, I couldn't believe this. The reason I brought this up, I read that was the first divisional series loss for the Braves this season. Like, that is asinine. Well, and it's so frustrating because the Braves have this perfect system where they pay their guys early, so they're under contract for fairly cheap for a long time. And so usually when you have a team like the Braves that dominates like they have, you're like, all right, well, give them a year, give them two years maybe, and then that stretch will be done. And it's like, well, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be the case with the Braves. They've been good for how long now, and they're just going to continue to be good. So it's frustrating, but it's incredible to watch them and what they do and You've got two MVP candidates on the same team. It's you know basically between t- four guys on two teams, between Acuna and Olsen on the Braves and then Betts and Freeman on the Dodgers. And it's just incredible to watch those two teams. And it's going to be an interesting National League playoff series to see what those kinds of teams can come out with. And I assume it's one of those teams go into the World Series, but who knows? I mean, baseball's so fun in October because you never know what could happen. Marlins 16 to two winners over the Braves, by the way, uh, in that game that I just referenced, which is crazy. Uh, All right. Final thoughts, Toby, before we sign off for the first of a few this week. Yeah, it's just crazy that we're already to the end of the season almost. I mean, we just got a couple weeks to go. And like I said, my goal is to get to that 70 win mark. But it'd just be nice. You know, guys got just a couple more outings when they're pitching. So can you have a couple good ones? Josiah Gray turned in a good outing finally in his last one. Can he build off of that and have just a couple more starts that are good like that? I think Gore's probably done for the season. But some of the other young guys, you know, can abrams pick it up just a little bit for the last couple of weeks and just have some positive thoughts going into the offseason that's my main thing just play some good baseball hopefully win at least four games and just build off of what's been a very successful season as we always do we read our recent comments and 099 dollar sign said one of the best nats podcast loves the chemistry between you and i says the conversation is always good and that interviews with players are his favorite I am not above reading those compliments. You guys know how we feel about that. Uh, Please subscribe, rate, review, leave a five-star review, leave a comment. We will read it. We will shout you out. We'll say whatever you want us to because uh, we're begging you for nice things being said about us on the podcast. Until we met again, enjoy Nats baseball.